This is the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey guys, welcome to the Mess It Up Podcast. I'm your host, the Bowtie Guy. Well, I'm kind of your host, the Bowtie Guy, for a little bit. I'll be your host, but I've got some people that are going to come in and take over the show today. The no-tie guy. The no-tie. I'm not wearing a tie. Yeah. So you heard Pastor Dan there, and we've got uh, his lovely wife, Faith. Hey! And listener, Bev from California. Hi, everybody. So um, we're going to be doing a show today, and the ladies are going to be hosting for us today. But uh, they said they didn't want to do all this upfront stuff. So I'm going to tell you right now that you can find us on all the standard social media outlets and platforms. So check us out there. If you want to support the show financially, uh, you can become a patron by going to MessItUpPodcast.com. Click on that button that says become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. You can help support the show financially. That doesn't just support the show. It supports Messed Up Ministries, which uh, works with prison uh, ministries to do stuff. We'll be talking a little bit about that later with uh, Pastor Dan and his lovely wife. Uh, and... Uh, I guess if you want to get a hold of me, you can do that. It's bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com. If you want to get a hold of Intern Dave, anybody remember Intern Dave's email? Intern, Intern at, at? No, info. Ah, info at so messituppodcast.com. Uh, so you can do that if you want to get a hold of Intern Dave. How much info does he really know? Oh, he knows so much stuff. He is learning all the time. I mean, he's been my intern for three years. Uh, so hopefully at some point, you know, he becomes uh, a full-fledged human being. Uh, but uh, for right now, he's just interning. Uh, so I guess that's about it. Except for I do want to say this. We've got ourselves a humdinger, which would be a good word of the week. We've got a great word of the week this week. It's abnegate. Any any guesses on abnegate before I say what it is? Um, uh, giveaway. Uh, sort of. Yeah. It's to, to, to reject or to shun oh. uh, something. So you might abnegate your responsibilities as the host of the show okay. and say... Faith and Bev, take it away. Well, we'll do just that right now. We received the abnegation. Oh, right? that was very You're good. You're Abner. 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 <laughs> it's not a little Abner. Corn pose. I've heard, I've heard it both ways. Yeah, have you? Have ways. you? Yeah, yeah. Me too. And me one too. of those ways was wrong. Uh, well, yeah. Oh. All right. Well, let's let's get down to business. Let's talk. Brass tacks? No. We're, we're talking. We're, hey, Sorry. we're the yeah, host. Yeah, right. You know, sometimes, sometimes as the guest, I feel like the host is talking too much. Stop slurping. <laughs> right now, the guest is full of stuff. Okay. All right. So, so we had a very exciting weekend with the Pippins, and my husband, Pastor Dan, got to license Paul. Yeah. And so we want to talk about that on your show uh, with your listeners. And first, first we need to determine for our listeners what actually licensing is. Now, I know that people um, go online to get ordained, uh-huh. to uh, wed people. And so can you, Dan, can you kind of give us a definition of what licensing is? What's the difference between licensing and ordination? And just so that we all know what we're talking about. Simply put, by the world standards, if you license somebody to go fishing, you license them to go fishing. Doesn't mean they're going to catch fish, but you're going to give them the ability to do so. Licensing is sort of like a fishing license. We give it to a, a young man or a, an old guy. Old. Oh, <laughs> and uh, what That's we do is is uh, the difference between licensing and ordaining is licensing is 
an agreement that a church has to support a minister in whatever ministry they're doing. Whether it's music or youth or pastoring or prison fellowship or whatever. Uh, we vowed as a church last night and we laid hands on Paul and Bev, very anti-non-Southern Baptist, you know, and uh, we did it COVID safe so anybody who didn't feel comfortable doing it. But anyways, so we prayed over them we committed to pray for, for Paul and Bev because they both have a job. But, but Paul's license will give him the uh, backing of a church. And, and believe it or not, yeah, he can, with a license, marry people. And he can do those, uh, those kind of things. But, uh, but, he's not getting it for that reason he's getting it because he wants to minister now i've known paul for a long time an ordination is a little beyond that an ordination you go through what we call an ordination council so you have 10 ordained ministers that sit in a room and they ask you questions about calvinism and what you believe and and deep theology questions. And um, as you probably said before in your, in your show, Paul, that you don't have to be a theology professor to be a minister. Mm -hmm. right. What you have to be is willing. And right. that's what a license does. It says, this person, Paul, is, is willing to serve. Now, uh, we as a church decided to do this when um, we talked about it months ago as a church. We talked about it weeks ago as a church. My entire church was in agreement that um, that they would support the work of, of of Paul through prayer. Now, they may not listen to the show. They may not uh, be a giver on what's the Patreon. Patreon. Um, but they have committed to pray. And that's what a church does. Is it says, we're going to pray for you. We're going to make uh, your ministry a priority for us. Mm -hmm. And that's what licensing does. Wow. Ordination is something where when you get through the ordination council, they vote whether to ordain you. And you're usually ordained at a church as a pastor. Now, Paul doesn't have a traditional church, so he would probably never be ordained if he stays in prison fellowship because there's not an established body of believers and um, and that kind of program. You're hoping for a rotation rather than yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. stay. So, uh, so I, I, did I explain that well enough? You think? Yeah. Yeah, that that's perfect. So, so here's my next question for both of you. Then, um, Dan, you I. I happen to know your story well uh, because I know that at a young age, as a teenager, you decided, I want to do ministry. I'm surrendered to ministry. And so every step along the way, then you got licensed and then you got ordained and then you were in ministry. And, and so, so that just kind of fell like in line for you. Paul, would you say that this all kind of fell in line for you like that? Like you knew at an early age that you were going to be in ministry or how did that come about for you? Uh, I've had a very uh, long and winding road 
uh, in my my ministry and my walk uh, because I've wandered and strayed. Uh, I was first inclined toward ministry in the late 90s. Uh, I was a public school teacher and finding myself just feeling like I wasn't doing everything I should be doing and felt a calling to the ministry at that point and talked to my pastor at the time and he encouraged me to start taking classes through um, a seminary at the church and the denomination where we were going at the time. And we went and did these classes, or I went, I, I drove about, oh, I guess it's about almost two hours, uh, twice a week to go take classes and was doing that for the better part of a year before I got myself in trouble and uh, got arrested. Once I got arrested, school was off the table because I was in jail and that went by the wayside. When I got out of jail, that church subsequently invited me to go somewhere else for church. So I didn't want to pursue trying to become ordained through them. So I just sort of put it down and I felt like my life was just in a shambles. So I didn't really know where to go, what to do. And I was literally, this was you know, early 2002 and I'm walking down the street in Ridgecrest, going to every store, getting a application, because back then it was paper, and filling out, I remember one day I got like 30 applications to fill out to try to find a job. And my problem was I had a, a, a record now, criminal record, people didn't want to touch. I was local news uh, within the last year. Everybody knew my story, nobody liked it. People didn't want to touch that. I had way too much education. Uh, I remember the, the manager at Walmart saying, there's no way you want to be pushing carts in the parking lot at Walmart with your education. I said, yeah, well, there is a way. I need to pay my bills. Mm -hmm. And they didn't care. And, and so I couldn't get a minimum wage job. I couldn't get a job on the base. I couldn't, I couldn't get anything until I finally uh, found a guy to give me a job doing construction, which is a, a complete story on its own. So I walked away from the idea that I would do ministry because I just didn't think that I could. Yeah. Uh, when we left the church that invited us to leave, we took them up on their invitation. We RSVP'd right away. And um, <laughs> we wound up at Emmanuel Baptist Church. And after being there for, we, our first week was Easter of 2002. When did you guys arrive? Oh, let's see. Trevor was probably, he was almost two. He was born in 2001. No, Daniel was born in 98. No, so. yeah, yeah, we came, we, I remember when you came in view of a call. Okay. Yeah, so it, it had to be, I want, so Becca was born in 2003. Trevor was born in 2001. And two. Becca, Becca, no, Becca was born in Ridgecrest. We, Trevor was almost two. So 2002, yeah. Okay. Right around. Like springtime, fall time? I think it was spring. Okay. So so we got there pretty close at yeah. the same time yeah. as each other. Um, and here I am. Uh, I'm a registered offender. Here comes this new youth pastor. I honestly, I can't tell you how we got connected. I really don't know how that worked out. But I became more and more active at the church. We found ourselves... Uh, you know deeply involved it was a church home that took to us right away and eventually you and I started hanging out and doing things uh, faith started making me 
food and and then I started becoming more involved with Celebrate Recovery and when I became involved with Celebrate Recovery the guy who was leading at the time asked me if I would teach and I thought to myself oh my gosh I never thought I would teach again Mm -hmm. and I loved teaching so much and he had invited me to do it and I had tickets to see the producers with uh, Martin Short and Jason Alexander And I gave those tickets, I, I gave my ticket to my daughter Kristen so she could go with them because that was the night that they asked me to teach and I thought, if I'm asking God to let me back into teaching and he gives it to me, I can't say, can I do it next week because I got these really cool tickets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I missed out on that. But I thought, okay, here it is. And I've been doing Celebrate Recovery since then. And I really never thought, most churches won't touch a person with my legal background yeah it's you know I like I applied for a job as a secretary at a local Catholic Church because one of my friends was you know lifelong Catholic he was friends with the uh, the Monsignor that was there and said yeah they'll, they'll give you a job and I went in and I said I don't know but they said no we can't because you know they've had their problems in the Catholic Church so they don't want to deal with that and and most churches feel that way so Whenever I get something, I just consider myself blessed and I try not to push too hard for that. So the idea of ordination or even licensing, I just assumed would never happen. Because I've had other people ask me, well, how come you don't get your ministerial lesson? How come you don't become ordained? Why don't you do this? You're, you're yeah. working at the... It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but, but I've never been a person who, who had to have their name on a business card to do the job. You know, I don't think... Jesus had a business card. I don't think he had his name on the door somewhere. Right. I don't think he had a title other than, you know, well, you know, son of God. <laughs> uh, I guess he had a couple of, of names. Yeah. Uh, but, but it hasn't, when I start doing it for the title and for the business card and mm-hmm. the prestige, I've got my, my order all goofed up and I don't need ordination. I just need reordering. And here's, here's what I love about the difference in your guys' stories. You both have the same heart. You have a heart to reach people. You have a heart to minister to people. You, you both are very much um, uh, workers mm-hmm. and like, hey, you need something done. Let me go in there and help you. And so I, I see similarities in both of your hearts. And he, and I love that Dan didn't grow up in a Christian background home, that Dan didn't grow up in the perfect condition. Uh, you clearly had your falling away and had a lot of issues to work around. And, and here's what I want your listeners to understand know. It doesn't matter what you have been through. It doesn't matter how you grew up. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter socially, economically, racially, where you are in life, that Jesus can use anything mm-hmm. and anyone as mm-hmm. long as we are willing and it's such a beautiful, I, I love the redemption of uh, your story. I love the redemption of how God uses people that are fallen and broken. And when we look at the Bible, it's so clearly evident that God doesn't use the perfect people, mm-hmm. that God uses mm-hmm. those who are broken and that have messy backgrounds. And I mean, when we look at David, man, his yeah. family was he a mess. <laughs> he was a mess. And 
I mean, he had all kinds of family issues, not just not just with the issue with Bathsheba, but it went into his children had major issues and tried to overtake him and try to kill him. And his children, one of his sons raped his daughters. And like, there was so much family issues. And yet God says about David, he is a man after my own heart. Mm. And so here's listeners out there. Here's what I want you to understand and know that it doesn't matter where you are in your life, that God has a purpose and a plan, that nothing is too much for him. Amen. In, so, in Ephesians 4, 7, I, I want to share this. Oh, here comes the pastor. It says, to each one of us is grace been given, a Christ, and Christ apportioned it. So that grace is also defined as redemption. Yes. And so that verse should say to everybody grace wins yeah yes 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 oh man we're not doing that song for the song of the week oh (laughs) man i wish we would have had this yes (laughs) but but we are at the point where i'm gonna i'm gonna interrupt uh your show ladies and and bring in the song of the week we have this week because one of the places that dan and i always want to be is in the house of the lord and so i heard this song by phil wickham called house of the lord i thought we've got to do this one so Here's about 90 seconds of Phil Wickham with House of the Lord. We'll be back on the other side to share our thoughts and also to talk more about this whole ordination licensing deal and what it means from there. So here's 90 seconds of Phil Wickham. All right, and welcome back. We just wrapped up that song. And uh, what does that song mean to you, Miss Bev? Well, I was I was thinking this might be way off the beaten path, but I was trying to think of why I sing to someone. Why do I sing to somebody? Well, I immediately think of our grandkids. You know, we sing to them because we want to soothe them. We want them to hear our voice. We want them to be close to our chests and recognize our voice. And um, so I was thinking, you know, why would we sing to God? Because we love him, because we we feel so much joy. And we were talking about that earlier today, Faith, that there are no words. We don't have words that we can express our love for God, 
um, we do our very best and there is a few ways we can you know we do it through praying for doing something for someone but singing I love I loved sing to the Lord and I love to listen to Christian music but it says we sing to the God who heals we sing to the God who saves we sing to the God who always makes a way and then the next part is why why do we do that because he hung on the cross and he rose from the grave and God is still rolling stones away and I just love that thought the other uh, thing that comes into my head was I believe that there are specific names that we give to God that heal our heart mm. like to to me God is the restorer because of the way he is restoring and has restored in so many ways our family um you know and god's the only one that can do that and not only that when he restores something it's better than when it first started you know yeah. and this whole thing of, of talking to paul and all that i mean i think back and god has done so much in paul's in my life and the time that we've been married and Neither one of us are the same people that we were, um, you know, 26 and a half years ago. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. All right, Dan. So, musicians do this thing where they have a hook that gets you with the intro, and they get you with this little fun chorus, right? And, and it's Phil Wilkham, right? Mm -hmm. He does this great job of getting us in there. And then he starts to repeat some things at the end, and with that hook, and he's got your attention, that's where we learn verses, and we, those are the ones that stick to our head, like an old hymn or something like that. You, no one knows the verses to some of the hymns we sing as a, you know, as in church when we were there, kids, you know, uh, but they know the chorus, victory in Jesus. Yes, but this yes. one here, um, I, and this is where the hook pulls you in, it says, because we're the beggars, we're royalty, we were prisoners, now we're running. But right below that, it says, we are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. I just mentioned that beforehand. We didn't know we were doing this song. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. And so when we get hooked, we all worship together. And there's an equal plane that we can all worship on. And uh, the guy sitting next to me who may be 25 has the same amount of grace given to him as I do at 50. Mm -hmm. yes. And the same person next to me who's 85 has the same amount of grace as I do at 55. You know what I mean? Yes. So that's what I love about God's grace. It's equally proportioned because everybody gets an overflowing amount. Yeah. Your cup Amen. is full. No matter what size your cup is, it always runs over. Yes. And I feel like it's dangerous because I've, I've known people and was involved with a church where they looked at proportional grace and the greater the sin the greater amount of grace that you would be able to get and so they almost celebrated somebody's profound worldly sin to say mm -hmm. oh look at what god saved you from oh imagine that amount of grace and it, it's not that it's just not it, mm, it's grace yeah. Yeah. Right. and grace right. is grace is grace is grace yeah. that's why worship is really important when you're in a service because it gets th that 
hope draws you in and then you can hear the story of grace and everybody is on the same level mm -hmm. yes, and, yes which is you know I'm sure in CR it's the same way you get to you set up everybody with music and then you're all like okay what's God gonna say yes. now yes mm -hmm. you know yes. Yeah. Yes, that's beautiful. Here's and here's what I love. I love that the song brought up prisoners, which takes us perfectly. She took my, she took my <laughs> looking list. We were going through this, you know. Here's what happens in the break. We listen to the song. We all go, and then everybody takes a turn to make sure we're not stepping on each other's lines and stuff like that. And so, being you know bow tie guy, and you know my face is on the picture. I always get to go last, so we go through and Bev picked one. Okay, great. And Dan picked one, great. And I'm thinking when we saw this, like. Somebody better not. And sure enough, here comes Faith. She fed me good for dinner. And then she's like, well, I'll just take your line, pal. Go ahead and tell them what you got, Faith. So, so it says, we are the prisoners, and now we're running free. Mm. And, here, and let me just say how perfectly that fits into what we're talking about tonight. Because mm -hmm. you were literally a prisoner. Yes. Mm -hmm. Who were physically in prison, but now you are free. And not just physically free. You are spiritually free, and now you are Amen. totally running. Indeed, yeah. Um, and l let me just ask you from here, what does licensing change for you? How does that propel you into the next step of your ministry? Well, you know, people have asked me that. So, well, what, are you, what does that mean? What is what does it happen? And I, initially, one of the the things that will happen with licensing is. A little bit of gravitas when I go and sit in someone's office and say I would like to bring this program to your church like a celebrate recovery program or talk to them about prison fellowship I come in as a licensed minister not as just Joe blow off the street with a criminal record it, it brings the gravitas of the church with me and so it, it gives a little bit more um, authentication to what's and, happening and you're not poaching right right yeah, exactly. Um, and say what you mean by that more. Well, it's a, because you have support behind you that says this is sent by him, by a, a church. Yeah. Yes. And so that that's really important because a lot of a lot of things that we do in ministry, um, people love to look at credentials and mm -hmm. and really, it's just a piece of paper. Yep. That's yeah. all it is. Well, what's behind the piece of paper is the gravitas. Yeah, yeah. And for me, the thing that Dan said, to have a body of believers, um, you know, I've done Celebrate Recovery when it was just me and Bev sitting in a room. Hmm. So I don't need to have, and I, I like to think that I do it the same way if it's one person or if it was 2,000 people. And I haven't done it for 2,000 people, but... I've, I've, I've done, I've shared my testimony in front of a group of about 350 people was the biggest group I did it. And, and I like to think I do the exact same thing regardless of the size of the crowd. But knowing that there's someone supporting you mm -hmm. makes it so much easier to step out with boldness, not having to provide. And, and that's why I, I said in my my uh, lesson yesterday, I don't pray for strength. That lesson I, can be found, by the way, if you if you like the Redemption OC webpage, uh -huh. you'll get to see a video of the licensing service after your little message. Yeah. There's the important part. 
<laughs> Where I get to get on. Yeah. No, but um, it's um, so you can watch it on there and kind of see what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and that's Redemption OC on Facebook. Uh, if you look up Redemption and then O and then C for Ocean, Ocean C, Oregon City, <laughs> um, then uh, you'll, you should be able to find that. Um, but it. And you don't have to like us. I just want you to see Paul. Yeah, and, but, but go ahead and like. Because you know? <laughs> it's fun. Um, but knowing that someone's praying for me um, and, and that someone, that it's not just me running into a burning building yeah. alone. Yes. Knowing that I'm running in there for a reason and with support. And someone's saying, yeah, go, go do that. That's good. Um, not that you guys are telling me to go run into a burning building, but... <laughs> I think you understand what I'm, I'm no, saying. No, and I, and when I I remember watching Dan's ordination service, um, we did that in in Tucson, and and for me, like I remember feeling like it's not just somebody, like I feel like there was just some validation to our ministry, um, which mm-hmm. didn't have to be, but sometimes you need that extra, just that pat on the back that. We believe in you. We 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 are behind you. We are supporting mm-hmm. you, and it mm-hmm. just gives you more, more, more. Right mm-hmm. to keep it's, going. It's not always mountaintops. Sometimes we have to go yes. through that valley to get to the next mountain. Yes. yes. And and when someone is there saying we are with you, it's easier to get through those midnights. Yes. And, and get to the twelve oh one. I have to tell you one of the greatest things about my ordination service was um, my high school music teacher was a licensed minister. Mm. Oh, wow. And he ministered to me in high school. And I had no idea he was doing it. He was on the sly, you know. And he came to my ordination service and he signed my ordination certificate. Oh, wow. And he's still alive today. And so my very first uh, uh, chance to open up my office here in Oregon City, he called me and said, Hey, I want to buy you some chairs for your office. And so we bought those two chairs right there. And um, he said, I said, you don't have to do it. He said, no, I do. I want you to know. I support wow. you still as a pastor. Still. So, and that was 30? Lauren in, in my high school. So it was 84. Wow. Talking about my ordination, though, right? 1984 or 
and the soul of him being able to keep going. Um, how, how do you feel affected by his being licensed? Well, in order to understand uh, my feelings, which I've had a hard time organizing in my head how I felt, mm. you know, because it was so much for me. But let me just start by saying my sister and I were talking earlier this morning and she said, Bev, as I was watching this process uh, happen, she said, I couldn't help but think about you and what you walked through when mm. Paul was walking through his dark days. Yes. And um, she said, I don't, I don't know how you did that. And so as we discussed that a little bit, I said, you know, okay, I haven't had, I haven't talked about that in a long, long time, that mostly I hid out Mostly, I was terrified that when I even engaged in a conversation with somebody, that something about Paul is going to come up, mm. and I would not know what to say. Mm. The second part of that was sometimes in a conversation, somebody would throw out something that they thought that was really not related at all to what happened, because people like to spin a story, right? You know, absolutely, and. I didn't have any clout to do anything but take it, you know. Um, and so I really doubted, if, if you're talking about a time in my life when I really doubted that anything good could ever come from this whole situation, that was it. Mm. That was it. I, um, and I remember our attorney saying, his words were, you and Paul will live the rest of your life digging out from under this mm. and um, and I remember coming home from that and we had a discussion that Paul reminded me that um, life is gonna look different but it wasn't gonna be ruined mm. it was it was gonna look different there was gonna be a difference but being the breadwinner of our home for as long as I've you know been um, I was I was afraid of ever trying to approach retirement, mm -hmm. you know. And so, spending enough time talking about that, when uh, yesterday, on Sunday, when we went through this licensing process, my mind went all the way back to those days, mm. and I start. And this is the thing that just blesses me over and over. I've listened and watched as Paul has described all the training that he's gone through in life. You know, training to become a teacher, those classes he took uh, kind of in seminary preparation for maybe someday becoming a pastor, um, going to jail, all the skills that he learned there, um, even things like being in solitary confinement. You know, each step of that uh, going along the way and then everything that's happened since then his time working construction his time uh, selling websites and uh, his time um, uh, oh shoot I forgot my next step there but oh uh, working at Starbucks and just engaging with people and then I look back on that and I say wow all of those skills God has put into his life, and the one that most stands out to me, the one that is the big qualifier, is the fact that he went to jail. Mm. It's like, when you look at it, it's when I look at it, it's like 
the worst thing that ever happened in Paul's life and probably my life too is exactly the best thing that God allowed to happen in our lives and permitted that so that we could understand. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I took from that experience was that understanding. Mm -hmm. and, and I will be really frank with you. I am not a person that is a risk taker. I'm not a per person that ever will do anything that's not safe. But the first time I walked into the prison with Paul, I honestly got back in the car after it was all over and I said to Paul the first thing, I never heard those iron doors shut behind me. Mm. I never even heard them. It was, I felt, I felt like I was in a classroom or maybe even at a church service. Mm -hmm. It just, the presence of the Lord was so real and so around us and surrounding us and in us that I totally forgot where I, where I was, yeah. you know, and, and I came home so blessed that then I just had this fire yeah. to do more, you know, so, and Paul, I don't, I think you would agree with this. When we met as classroom teachers, we would have never, ever thought in a million years no. that this would have been no. the trajectory of our no, life. No desire whatsoever to do anything with jails or prison or anything at all. That never even crossed my radar until I spent time in and became a consumer mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. knew what joy and hope and the, the difference that it made when someone came in just I had we had a church group that would come in for one hour on Sunday once a week and that's what we got and that was that got me through the week you know to, to say okay I'm just out there and it was a different group every week it was never the same people so it was never the same denomination never the same style never, it was just people who said we're going to take time out of our day to go and be with these people that people don't want to be with mm -hmm. and the thing that I always remember about prisoners is this is a group of people Regardless of what they've done, society has seen fit to say, we don't want you to be with us. Mm. We want you to be away from us mm -hmm. to keep us safe. We are going to put you here in a building with iron doors and concrete walls. And then we're going to put several rows of barbed wire and chain link and razor wire. And we're going to put guards with guns so that you don't come out and interact with us. Mm. We need you to be away from us. And so what kind of person wants to go in and deal with those people? That's a, I was just so moved that people wanted to come in and deal with me after yeah. the, the government and, and the people had spoken and said, no, you gotta be away. Mm -hmm. And these people were like, you know what, can we go into that place that no one wants to be in? And I knew right then and there, that's what I needed to do. That's what I was, that's what the mission was, mm -hmm. uh, was to go back in. And when I first got able to do it, the guy, TJ, I hope you're listening, um, he was the first person who was finally able to get things lined up so I was able to get into a prison the first time and I think I talked to him almost all the way home. I was so excited as soon as I got in my car, I got my phone and I, I dialed up TJ. I'm like, but this was amazing. I went back to prison mm. and it, it, it just, I'm never more alive here's the, than when I come out of that jail. Here's the problem with people. We have always been judgmental. Mm -hmm. So we quantify sin. Yes. And if you were to go around any congregation and say, look, I want you to take a, just a, a list, not, not naming what your sin is, just put a hashtag for every sin. They would fill a page. Yeah. And Paul would be able to fill a page. 
I would be able to, my wife, mm -hmm. you would be able to, mm -hmm. would be able mm -hmm. to fill the page. Absolutely. And then if you cross-reference that with scripture, God doesn't quantify sin. No. Right. No. He, he doesn't, now, listen, I'm, I am no way downplaying Paul's time in jail. No, no. He needed it. He did. Mm -hmm. And he needed it for his self, himself, as well as the people that he sinned against. Yes. And there's a healing process. And you've made peace with those people, most of them. But yet, your sin follows you everywhere you go because right. you have the, you know, the red letter, yeah. scarlet letter. But there's there's two biggies. Everyone talks like, well, you know, murders and rapists, mm -hmm. and you know, my sin fits in with those. Right. And so, um, I, you know, I worked at a jail, and I couldn't do prison ministry because, first of all, I'm not called to do it. But I worked at a jail in the stores, and I got fired because I was too nice. Mm, mm -hmm. Because you're told to treat them like they're scum. And they're not. They're just people who got caught making a mistake and probably the best thing that could have happened for them is to get caught. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. But again, the key there is mistake. How many mistakes do I make yeah. daily, weekly? And just to clarify, I made it on purpose. Yeah, well, yeah, but there, I mean, it wasn't yeah. like, but you're, but you're looking at. It was a mistake, but it wasn't an accident. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and yeah. so what happens right. is, when you're in those areas, I mean, you had a solitary for a month, you said. Mm -hmm. um, even beyond that, you go back into Gen Pop, right? Yeah. And you're you're having to fight for a place at a table. You're having to, you know, make. Make deals with people you don't want to for cocoa. You know, and those are things that um, I can't see myself dealing with that. <laughs> but here's the important thing about last night: I support a person who does it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I support the ministry that they're called to do. You know, can I just finish my yeah. thought with a sure. question that you sent to me? I do want to leave you with this thought from me, and that was that I've 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 been face to face with the rejection that comes mm -hmm. from being the wife of mm -hmm. someone like that. I have been, you know, my life has been scrutinized by why in the world would you want this person back in your life again, mm -hmm. you know, and criticized for that. But last night. I was so, and I'm going to use the word proud. Mm -hmm. um, I am so proud of and thankful that God gave us the opportunity to feel the love and compassion that comes when people love us and mm. trust us, trust us. Um, and so I say thank you from the bottom mm. of my heart that, Dan, you and Faith have just been brothers and sisters to I, us. You know, I, I ought to feel guilty about what I did when Paul and I met weekly. <laughs> and I said, Paul, here's what you need to do. You need to move out of this dinky town <laughs> and go somewhere where you can get a fresh start. And he said to me that that's not what he needed. Yeah. He needed to take this 
mess that he made mm. and make it a message. Now, he wasn't doing a podcast back then. No, mm. no. But he had it right. And so we, we tweaked some things in the way he's yeah. lived life. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, uh, and when people ask me all the time, how can you justify hanging out? Yeah, um, yeah. And I said, I don't have to justify it to anybody. It's it's like me justifying why I talk to my pastor. I don't right, have to justify right. it. It's just part of part of missioning and yes. ministry and commissioning. You know, and discipleship. Discipleship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Here's and here's what I will let, let me just end with this and say, Jesus came to set prisoners free. Mm-hmm. Prisoners of all different Amen. kinds, and we Amen. all make prisons. Um, in our own lives. And so we are blessed uh, to have been friends with you guys and watch this journey. And uh, more than that, I um, am looking forward to seeing the ministry that God is still unfolding for yes. the two of you. And, yes. and Bev, I'm looking forward to seeing you as you minister to other women who have felt shame Yes. Because of yes. their husband's past. Yes. And that you are going to get the opportunity to do things and minister to women's hearts um, in ways that other people can't because you, you you will be able to speak into their very lives. Thank and, you. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, Paul going back to, I say in air quotes, uh, prison. Prison. <laughs> in the second book, right? You know, the second book is on the way. And and what he's doing in that. And so he Well, yeah, and, and they said that in the song. Yeah. And we won't be quiet. That's right. We won't be quiet. Shout That's it loud. Right. Um, lift that name up in every way we can. So we're... You've we're, definitely uh, taken a mess... <laughs> or, and made it into a message for sure. Uh, so check out our, the service that we did that we licensed Paul on Facebook. Uh, you can follow all the social links for uh, the, the Mess It Up podcast and for Paul's ministry and uh, look into becoming a Patreon. And listen, he gives you the best deal out there. You're not going to find a better deal than what Paul's offering you. He says for as little as a dollar a month, you can Mm -hmm. support his ministry. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody else's ministry that they say for as little as a dollar a month. Everybody starts out with a dollar a day. Oh, wow. Look at that. Now, you you can do a dollar a day. We'll take it. They're not going to turn it down. If you've got a dollar a day. challenge right there. Yeah, right. But but you can support them, become a Patreon um, for them. And guess what? We'll We'll see see you you next time. We mess it up. up. That's right. Which is what we just did. We sure did. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. Mess it up.